I'm here with David Dan. What's up? <laughs> What's good, man? <laughs> you're you're a dope ass dude, bro. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate All right, that. All that's it. That was an interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. So. I'm here with David Dan. This guy's a self-made entrepreneur, self-made record label owner, and he DJs too. Before he was a label owner, he was DJing. Yes, I'm going back to it. So you were started starting as that, then you did that, and then you owned a label, and you own a label, and now you're going back to DJing. Yeah, I actually started... Um, by playing piano and i fell in love with like just playing piano in general and then that was like the gateway drug for me into just all things music um it was like a way to escape all the shit that was going on in normal daily life at home or you know with whatever else teens deal with every day which um, is a lot which is a lot right so uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was like the feeling I got from just playing keys. I was in love, and I was like, I gotta just be in this area where I'm just absorbing sound as much as I can. And then I started to make music after playing music. Uh, at the time, it was like very heavy and electronic, um, but I always loved like soul to any type of genre that it had. Um, I made an album, and then I started DJing and playing sort of like, you know, in my city and then in other cities and then... Which city? Uh, well, here in LA. Okay, so you're from LA. Yeah, yeah. From New York, but I was raised in LA. What city in LA? Like LA, LA? I, would, so I was raised in um, Beverly Hills and I was sort of like, I would say like growing up not as privileged as everyone around me, which was really cool because I got to like know what it's like to be on both sides of the fence. Um, you know, you could be living the same lifestyle as someone else and you're renting and they're owning and no one knows any difference. It's just about the way like the perception is in this country. So uh, it was cool. I think um, it was also very lonely because when you grow up not so privileged around a lot of privileged people, then you sort of feel like a little bit like, well, why don't I have that? Or why don't yeah, I have a little that? bit of an outcast? Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, and then from there, you know, doing the piano stuff, yeah. doing loving electronic music and audio, you transition into DJing. Right. Which I feel is like the purest form of just being engulfed in music for some reason. Right. Just like at an event, you control the music, you control the vibe, and you're just in it. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt in the beginning when I was playing. It was like the ability to control all these people's moods and set a tone that like created a oneness in a room. And you having all that power is like, is, it's like a trip, right? First you do it in front of a hundred people and you're like, this is amazing. And then I ended up playing in front of like five, 6,000 people in South America on any given night. So it was like this rush of, it's actually f more fun when I was less people than it was more people. Really? Why is that? Because you get to connect more with like people's faces and gauge like their reaction every time like a drop happens or if there's a moment versus when you're playing bigger audiences, you're like more removed from the crowd. Um, and reggae, a lot of reggae artists and specifically this one that I work with Kez always says like in their culture, they like, they don't like being on stages cause they like being at the same level as the fans a lot of the time in that culture, which like, you know, metaphorically to me is really, is a cool concept cause it's like, I feel like the higher we go as people and you know financially or success wise the more removed we are from like the rawness of the world and i think it's a, it's a weird thing because it doesn't feel good to me 
I, I actually like being as close to like native people of yeah. you know like the country or wherever I am right. as opposed to like like to me flying private it's like sucks like it's not cool to me to like be in a small yeah. plane by myself like I like I like people so no I agree same here and there's more turbulence on small plays anyway. yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> no but I know exactly what you mean man I feel like it's just even like after 70 if you make like 75k a year you're pretty much i mean it's gonna be like the same experience from 75 to a million yeah you're you're not gonna be any more happier right i think they say it's like a hundred or i think it's a hundred because like by the time in la at least yeah because it's so expensive yeah super expensive here in the bay area so yeah you're probably right yeah but 75 anywhere else yeah yeah i mean like what more you're gonna have more bills (laughs) you're gonna you know it's just like what what is the happiness anyway right but i feel like you djing in you said south america yeah so you got all the way out there so i started playing in la a bunch i was like 15 16 sneaking all my friends into 21 rover clubs and like bringing sort of like crews from each local high school to shows that i was playing so i was promoting the club and and I enjoy and I love the process of like putting together a team of people that would throw a party and it started off just like being this mixture of having a community of people and then making money and then um, eventually that sort of spread to other parts of the country in America and then there was a promoter in Brazil who heard a remix that I did and then he had a radio tie put that song on the radio there randomly and then called me and said do you want to come do a show you have a song that's like doing pretty well here people are playing it on the radio a lot so I land in Brazil. My first show was in front of 3,000 people with like my name on signs. And Jeez. like just people that thought it was my own song. That's the way that it was branded. <laughs> That's how you freaking come out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was, co- it was just, it taught me how local everyone thinks. You know, like you could really be big somewhere else and no one would ever know. And then you could come back home and it's like you're just a normal person. So at that time, like I, over there, I was almost like a local celebrity in some sense because they just loved the music. But in America, it was like, oh, he's just playing like at Hyde or he's just playing at um, Privilege at the time, which was like, you know, older clubs. But like, it's it's not the same effect. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably people that are huge there in South America that, you know, they may come here. We not may not know. Right. Or vice versa. Right, but exactly. I mean, for you to come out like, right off the bat and just do that though is is pretty remarkable man i mean (laughs) it says a lot to like your hustle yeah it was it was it was a it was a fun time and it was um i I wish i would have i mean i did enjoy it like and the moments that i was there for sure but the end of it was was what made me like like i went from loving it to them being told what to play like by the people that were booking me because the scene was changing and then that's when I was like a sort of year, two years of like, I was getting pulled off of playing sets by promoters because I wasn't playing with tables that were paying the most money in the club, wanted uh, to hear. I hate that, bro. And it's like, like everywhere now. Yeah, open, that was what we called open format. Like, if you, like that's what open format DJs have to do is like play to the audience. Um, I mean, if you're like at a wedding, I could understand. Right, right, right. <laughs> you play all the wedding songs, all that good stuff, but yeah it just it gets so political yeah well i get it like they're paying and there's another dj that would play what they want to hear yeah and open format djs like like no one really gives a fuck about their career as an open format dj unless you were like dj am or 
some shit like that but like other than that open format djs are like just commodities so like but to be like an artist dj was what i really wanted to do my whole life as an electronic artist um but i didn't understand like i couldn't apply the approach that i could apply to other people to myself and i think that's what eventually showed me showed itself to me when i was like i don't want to play anymore and i want to focus on building other people's careers i have a, I have a question for you do you think like i was thinking about the whole dj thing mm -hmm. and like do you feel like djs could turn soon turn into just playlists in the club i was like a crazy idea i was thinking about yeah you know i i do and i like my sister threw a party a couple months ago and she was like who should i get to dj and i was like just throw on a playlist and she's like no no like i want like a dj there but like i don't yeah i don't i don't think that like at most functions you have to have a dj nowadays but i th i think that i think that people with charisma and energy are like a light that mosquitoes and people always want to be around no matter what so like people always want to follow somebody who's doing cool shit and if that person is in this case a dj that then people are going to flock to that person's show because yeah they just want to be around that so i think the art of djing will always change but i think the i the idea of like following a human being and their sort of culmination of putting together a party won't i agree i was just like thinking because playlists and curated things are just so hot right now it's just like why would we want to spend money and waste time on this variable when we could just pick all the hits and put it in a playlist and put it in the club? I, I agree, and, the, and it's good. The curation is actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these curators are stars out here. Yeah. Like, you know, like, years ago, they would just be the person that was, like, making you a fire CD, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, or a fire playlist for your iPod, but now these, are, these curators are the stars. Yeah. And what's to say, you know, they can't be hired to give... 80 clubs playlists and they sit in their house I, th I think it's like i think it'll morph but i think the idea of somebody um you got to also be able to react live to clubs you know yes so because uh the mood might swing like exactly one of those songs might not work exactly you gotta change it fast you yeah know? you're like ooh, the crowd is not feeling this yeah exactly <laughs> exactly what would be better probably would be if the the records that were actually playing in the club counted like as a stream i feel like that would like i know i've always wondered how that could be possible like how to track i mean apparently like you got to pay something to perform i don't know the intricacies of it yeah i think i think serato or somebody's working on something like that yeah um which is the company that you know does all the dj stuff there's more but i think i mean they link soundcloud and title and stuff in there yeah and i think spotify but don't quote me on that but that's eventually I mean, they should yeah i agree yeah that would be that would like bring a lot more revenue to artists just on a side note yeah know? of course if your songs are getting played out yeah totally yeah so mind of a genius first of all i like the name thank you the name actually originated from I had like a bunch of playlists on my iTunes when I was a kid and I put put like Mind of a Genius, hip hop, house, rock, whatever genre. And I used to put my favorite songs in those playlists and I'd burn CDs and give them to my friends. And then eventually I would combine the best songs and put them together on a mix that I would DJ with and record in my house, sort of just look just like this. 
and I would put an hour mix out on a podcast called the Mind of a Genius podcast. And I had like 50 episodes. I was doing one once a month for like four or five years, even before the label was even anything. Dang. Yeah, so that was while I was playing and DJing. I was putting on a podcast. And then eventually um, I used it as a label. Like when I was making my own music and putting my own music out and I, I had to figure out a label name, I just put Mind of a Genius. And I put my own music under that name. And then after I put out my own music um, up to a certain point, I was like, all right, I'm going to stop doing my own thing. And then the next artist that I put out under the label besides myself was Zoo. And then that was sort of like the beginning of what came to be like a very, you know, booming following couple of years after that. How'd you even find Zoo? His song is freaking huge. Yeah, Faded. I hear it everywhere. Yeah. Um, I found him because my agent at the time had just picked up this kid named Steven uh which was which was him and he was like you guys should make music together and then i went into the studio because i was still making music i was but and i I was still actively djing and i went and i saw him and i was like who's this asian kid making like a bunch of dance records and he had this like very technically sonically technical sonically like beautiful way of approaching music but he didn't like have a way to like brand it or put it together and I was like always like infatuated with like branding and the way logos feel and the colors feel and like things like like when you go to a restaurant like how everything looks and all that. So um, he just ha- he had music and he didn't know like how to put it in stores basically. So um, I helped him produce like in the room for like fourteen hours a day. What was his first EP, which included that that thing faded and it's called the Night Day and. Um, that was like I took all my energy that I had put into making my own stuff into somebody else's, and I was like, "Wow, this is, this is, this is a lot different than putting it just into myself." And I fell in love with that process um, of helping somebody make a record, and then um, we rebranded everything, took all his old music down, and then like relaunched it with songs that we knew were were big, and campaigned around those songs as like um, sort of tent poles within like a couple months and then one of them faded eventually ended up becoming a big hit and then we used that to do everything else yeah i see i mean i've heard it in tons of clubs in in multiple cities so that's crazy and galant honestly like his branding that literally to me was like a genius branding thing at the time when it came out with the thing over his eyes yeah who's that was that your idea the no the 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 covering of his eyes thing was actually him in the beginning, but it's before I had met him, because he had put out an EP before I met him, and then I helped him make Ology, which was I think like his coming to the world record. Um, but yeah, no, no, before that, that was his thing. He he was always actually really good at like branding himself, um, and then Wade on his team came up with the sad face idea, and that was like because he had like a lot of sadness inside of him, yeah. and he wanted to. Like the idea was to put it on the outside so people could relate and he didn't just have to keep it inside at all times. Branding is is just so important and it always changes throughout the years. I feel like every year is something different that works. Right. You know, in 2014, whatever that was during that time worked. Maybe the mysterious, like you don't know who the artist is. Right. And then 15, 16, it's more like, yeah, you see me, but you don't really know me. Right. You know, what do you think about, like, branding now? 
I, I think branding now, and I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, is like, I think artwork is dead. Really? Like, yeah, I think like the idea of like a artwork for your song or artwork for like your album and like, I mean, it's been dead since vinyl went away. Like it's been dying since then. So I think the idea now of branding is all photography. So artworks just kind of play no part now. I don't I don't think it does, you know, like I don't think it plays a part nearly as much as it did when you actually like felt a record or even a CD. So why do you think that is? Uh, I think because of Instagram now, everything is so photo based that like I see artists suffer because they just aren't confident enough in taking photos of themselves. And then the ones that are really winning are the ones that are, you know, the, the confident enough to like really put themselves out there. So and we went through it ourselves, man. I mean, like even with the label, like we had artists that were not, you know, the branding that we came up with together was incredible. But when the world became about like seeing people all day, they just didn't have that like ability to to shine in that way that like a Billie Eilish may with posting pictures of herself or. Right. Um, and that's totally the era that we've stepped in now is like seeing these people all day, every day via Instagram exactly, and everywhere. Exactly. Um, and I think artwork, I kind of actually agree with you just because even if like Russ, Russ's road is he was on it, you know, SoundCloud and every month when he dropped a song, his art was like a color, right. like a symbol. Right. And I felt like that was perfect. That worked. And a lot of people tried to like copy that idea right. and stuff. And it was cool too. Like other people that did it, I wasn't mad at that. Right. Cause technically, I mean, as, as long as it's clean, I guess, right. You know, that looks dope. But now it's almost like you're right. It doesn't really matter what the artwork is. People don't even use artwork sometimes. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would or wouldn't if I was an artist today, but I feel like you just have to be creative in the way that you market yourself. And I don't think it's done through like through actual artwork that you like a picture of something with text. So like who the fuck even cares? You True. know, like True. it's like if the record's good and you're interesting as a human being and what you're representing and what you're saying, that's and then the videos are cool. Like, great. But I don't like I don't really care about your vision on artwork or what your CD cover looks like. I just I, like I don't even remember the last person CD cover that I remember and being like, oh, shit, that was that was really tight. Yeah, I don't think I can remember either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you think like videos probably play a factor. I think I think videos are like definitely would take. I, I think the number one factor is a song that people share. And then I think after you've established what that song is uh, within like an array of songs, then the videos matter. But I don't think videos for songs that aren't hits matter, if that makes sense. So even if it like has a small impact of like the video, you don't think it would matter as much as if, if it was like a hit record? Yeah, I just I don't believe in investing as a label. I don't believe in investing in videos for songs that don't have like the even just as songs alone don't have the the ability to reach a lot of people because it's it's money not well spent for the artist so what what would you consider a lot of people i think it depends on what the expectations are of the artist right and like the camp so like if you're like i have an artist right now out of the out of the uk called carnival blues and it's like very lo-fi down tempo um like beautiful music but it's not like gonna headline coachella next year um mm -hmm. 
so for that like we'll shoot videos they'll just be very low budget right because like i feel like people when they hear it still want like a vision it's almost like a visualizer you know it's not just going to be the artwork by itself so we'll shoot videos for songs but we just won't spend that much money because back to your question a lot of people is different depending on what the goal is so like you just have to be realistic and saying like all right well rock right now is not an emerging scene so we're as a label i'm not going to spend a hundred grand on a music video for a rock song because who's it gonna like no one's looking for rock like there's a there's a there's a really good quote that i read where it's like it's way it's 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 much smarter to it's much harder to find customers for what you're doing than know what the customer wants and give them a version of what they want i love that because that's actually really really true because you can't like force things onto people because i feel like that would be doing an extremely high budgeted music video right for a very low-key underground song right exactly You're just like please find me be my fan right exactly and we we've spent the crazy money on what we we call trying to educate audiences like on on what we think is better music than whatever is out so um you know like people like what they like and then they dive in further into whatever it is that they like like you and i always make this comparison about food and especially america like americans are grown and raised to eat hamburgers french fries and junk food this is factual right like that's that's our diet as a country and that's like the type of shit that we eat and you go to japan japan they eat fish and rice or you go to mexico they eat a lot of beans and vegetables or you go to all over the world is different right it's the same shit with music where like you'll have moments where pokey is a fad in in la right or like this salad thing or all these upcoming things vegan things yeah yeah like they'll be there and they'll be like they'll have a niche market like in silver lake or just little parts of the you know the city but but the the number one growing thing is still kfc yeah right so you can get your 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 success on the fringes by doing different shit in america because there are kids that fuck with like the weird shit which is the equivalent of that in food but the country's roots are still in junk food which is why most of the music coming out of america that are on the pop charts is is the equivalent to me is junk food because it's like it's easy it's fast you don't got to think about it like and that's just the way that we educate people by giving them shit music is the same way that we give them shit food so basically having micro audiences spread across america which are primarily online gives these tons of artists because there's like so many now Mm -hmm. it's like way too many Mm -hmm. but it gives them the ability to capture their weird little audience right of underground fans and do a, a show you know tour or whatever with those people right but yeah i mean well do you think that music could ever blow up though because i mean like you said america came up on burgers and hot dogs and right. stuff like that right are they ever gonna be like on vegan as number one food type vibes maybe in the music world it's a really good question um i'm like a very cynical person so i would say like i, I think the answer is no like i think that 
biologically speaking the way that like we enter this world like racism is still a very real thing just because you know there's not different bathrooms for white and black like it's still especially with who our you know the our president is and everything that comes with that like we've seen not only within black and white but within black communities there's like racism like levels of it right like how right. black are you color is color yeah. right like um so again like i think that yes i would love to say that like we shouldn't be killing animals and the world is going to open up to this like higher level of music one day too but i think as long as there's like suppression of classes um no i don't think it's going to change like hip-hop isn't even about the music it's about the like the hustle and coming from nothing to something and which is why like you know that community that of of rappers that are so big like it makes me so upset because they're showing all this jewelry and like their cars and all this shit and i don't give a fuck if it's rented or not or how they got it but yeah the the point is is that you're like i actually didn't understand it because i was really mad at it like yo why like what is that we're sending the wrong message to like all the kids like and when i actually spoke to so many people in that community it was like that's our way of showing that we made it out of the slums to our communities by by flossing but see like the thing is like already you know if you think about it like a lot of the new artists like the kids coming out they're in a super nice car already within months of them coming out and it almost to me like deletes the whole come up you know the hustle thing that you're talking about because it's like in in the perception of seeing that it's like you already made it right you already made it so what do we have to root for now that you're already at the top in well a the, sense. the kid it's not even the reality is it's, it's not even like black kids listening to it. it's white kids that want to be that it's 13 year old 14 year old white kids in the middle of the country that are listening to travis and thug and right and juice world and pump and all that it's like i don't even think it's like actual hip-hop fans like because those artists are portraying a life at such a young age that is so crazy and if you're a poor young kid in the middle of the country like that's all you want to be like so the, to answer your question like do i think it's going to change like i think as long as there's poor at the level that there is and rich at the level that there is like we as people psychologically are always going to envy that come up of somebody that's why when jay-z that's why jay-z to me was like the most substantial artist of that time was because he had already made it as a hustler when he was a rapper so his story yeah. was like let me teach you the ropes versus like come with me i'm already flossing like let me let me yeah let me lie about whatever it is so he didn't only turn on the hip-hop he turned on the world right. to this like hustler mentality whereas i think a lot like most other artists right now like you can tell within a song if an artist is going to be here in a year or not just because of what they're talking about sometimes it, it seems like they're going to be here a while but like realistically they're probably not right because I mean, you know, it looks bigger than life on Instagram, and plus, like, I feel like the pop, whatever that is, right? Right. Because I started R and bass, so I seen there was some type of need for this immersion of this emerging of like different genres, R and B plus hip hop. But pop, right? Is just now it's getting so blurred. And you know, you have Lil Nas X, 
country Mm -hmm. which is like number one or whatever still is kind of like a trap record but country and it's like like going back to will things change i mean i agree with you actually i'm i'm kind of cynical like that too like probably not as long as we have race differentiating things colorism you know weightism you know any ism right right i don't think anything's really gonna change because because once everyone's once everyone's the same race then you're gonna be lighter or darker right once you're lighter or darker then you're gonna be more heavy or skinnier right and once you that you know it's just like and then everyone's the same weight now you have big eyes right (laughs) so we're always judging everybody from from the beginning that's just the way that we've been taught how to live right is just by judging so i think as long as there's judgment and we teach our kids judgment then there'll always be that envy of someone in that position of wearing a bunch of jewelry or because it's it's like the way out and it's 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 an interesting thing that's what i was telling you before is like the higher that you go the more disconnected you feel and it's almost like very much the opposite which is why you see so many artists like going through crazy depressions or killing themselves or, you know, it's such a real thing, especially in music, because you get in, you, you should get in to like use it as an outlet, but a lot of people use it as a way to floss and show how much money they have. And then that's like, that's not, that's not, re- you, anyone with a brain realizes that that's not the way that like people and like, actually become happy. Yeah, happiness is, is very relative. Yeah. And I think, through instagram and social media you know people perceive certain things to be happy like i need this to be happy i need this type of body to be happy but it's really not reality that's like it's almost like i wouldn't even know how to explain it it's just we all have that right that thing like i want to be this but loving yourself i think is is the key at the end of the day absolutely money and success probably won't get you there right It'll make you happier, right? But not technically happy. But I mean, social media is a killer, man. Like, it's just well, that's the thing is it's it's, it's real because I was probably the unhappiest when I was the most successful. Really? Yeah. Which is like the paradox. Wow. Can you like explain that a little more? Because yeah, yeah. Um, well, one aspect of it is the more that you gain, the more that you have to lose, and when you have a lot to lose it's different than when you're broke because you have nothing to lose. So when you're hustling on the come up, you're just like every day there's no pressure to maintain shit because you don't have shit. You're just wanting to get there. And then once you get there, you have a responsibility to grow, to maintain, to keep a status in front of your peers, to, you know, like to, to uphold what you have now built. And for me, like I don't walk around with a chip on my, I don't give a fuck what I built. You know, like I, like it's cool like i'm happy about the success that people around me have had i've made a lot of people millionaires around me and like that's that's great but inside of myself i can say that i was the happiest when there was no expectation of what i was doing on a daily basis i wasn't i didn't have i didn't have to provide results so um I'm, i'm now literally four years later after just getting out of my deal with warner brothers getting to a place of just living with no expectation i think i think expectation is what kills human happiness in general right like expecting this to work or expecting to make this work or it's all like expecting your partner to be a certain way with you like all of these things that we put on everybody else 
Um, but going back to what you said, like it's all about how, to me, it's all about how you feel on a daily basis and you have to like love your work, right? Yeah. Like it's the sushi guy that goes in for 50 years making sushi every day the same way because he just loves the way that that feels. So I'm trying to go back to when I first played piano and I just loved that. And then as you get older, you got to think about how am I going to make money, rent, all these things. And sometimes when you when you when you do really well, you start buying nicer things, right? And you start living in nicer places. And then you have to afford this lifestyle that you've now built for yourself publicly and personally. So to maintain that is a really unreal expectation of yourself. Because no one's on top forever, right? We know that for sure. And yeah, you right. hear about this dude's a billionaire. and this. And How many people have been fucked over for that guy to have gotten to that place? Because I've seen the first 10, right? And I don't like fucking people over. So it's like, it's, it's really not easy to make a lot of money. And when you do do well, it's just you have so much more to lose. And... It's it's a heavy. I don't want to say it's a heavy crown because it's not a crown. It's just a heavy weight, like yeah. that you then have to do. I, I miss the days of just being like a hustler with nothing and just like on that journey of trying to find success. And then once you find it, you realize that like people suck at, at high <laughs> levels too. You know, because they like? more, the more egotistical, everyone's in their own shit. Like. You know, like that's what I said to you earlier. Like, I just I love people. I love everyday people. Yeah, it seems that people like at higher levels. Not saying that I'm at a low level. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but it seems like people at extremely high levels are kind of like robots in a sense. They're just here to get the expectation done, move on to the next thing, and blah blah blah. Kiss whoever's ass to get to the. You know, it's like a rat race. So rat exactly. And exactly. it's a rat race to the top, which leads back down to the bottom anyway. But everyone thinks that eating at the nicest restaurant, going to the nicest place, like staying at the nicest hotel, like all of those things, flying private, for example, right? Riding in an Escalade with a driver, whatever it may be, like those are like the asp- those are the dreams that we should have as people. So then we, we envy those that seem to have had that. Right, and in this case, it's all these young rappers, right, that show all the shit all day with their fake diamond watches and all that. The the re- it's it's just so far from the truth that that's what really hurts me about music is that the message that people are getting is like is just wrong, and um, you 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 like if you like making Michelin star food for high end people that appreciate that, I'm like, do it. That's cool. Right. But I don't feel any better going to a restaurant that costs a hundred dollars for a Caesar salad, like the polo lounge. than when I just go to in and out and I'm at the drive through with my homies spending two two fifty on a burger. Yeah. I mean, they're both going into your stomach and they're both going to taste really good. Right. But the people <laughs> that you're around when you're at the polo lounge are usually less in touch with humans than the everyday people so i guess that's what i mean when i was the unhappiest was like seeing what that world is like is just super unpure compared to like the everyday struggles that people go through so so would you go back to that um i i I wouldn't mind like i wouldn't mind going i listen i do things on it like i drive a prius right like i i still do things 
and act certain ways behaviorally that keep me in a place of being an everyday person um and i try to help people as much as i can because it makes me it's selfishly like it makes me feel really good to know that i'm helping somebody else so i do things all the time that ground me um but if i could go if i could go back to that um yeah like of course that was was, those are the best days of my life yeah (laughs) but um but like so certain factors like you were with uh warner brothers you left that you got happier um what were some of the things that kind of i don't know if you we're not gonna like downplay warner brothers sure sure but like what what were some things going on there that kind of like led to that situation where you're like i need to part ways so i think nothing to do with warner's every every major company with an independent company so as an independent company when i was building we just didn't have enough money to support the growth and we should we should have done is just gotten like a loan or went and raised money from people and given pieces of the company away so why is that is it was it for like the artist's uh, song promotion or yeah it was like artists wanted videos that were out of budget that we could afford and we didn't want to like i didn't want to argue with them so i just wanted it to be like easy financially with like taking that burden off of because it's it's running a business is tough obviously for anybody but it's such a gamble that i was like i don't know that i want to keep putting my own money into it right now uh which i should again i should have kept doing that but uh, i wanted to see what it felt like to be in a system where that was being handled by somebody else and then actually what ends up happening is it goes back to expectation where like people then in a situation where there's a big partner involved expect certain levels of success and expect songs to go bigger and expect to grow way faster than they should have just organically so like my, my viewpoint on being independent versus just signing to a company has nothing really to do with like fuck majors because you know they're gonna shelve you or none of that it's just that from from just a human level right like if you take if you take let's say something and you you put it on the you, and it's instructions say put on the pan for 45 minutes and then bake for four hours or bake overnight but instead you put it inside of the pressure cooker and it, the pressure cooker cooks it in 20 seconds or 30 seconds, right? The shit in the pressure cooker is going to come out like fucking shit, right? Because it, it's not meant to be cooked that way. Right. It's meant to slow burn over time, and that's how you get it to feel that way. So the major label system to me is like when you take true artistry, it's just like putting it in a pressure cooker because now there's all this expectation. Like, oh, my God, he signed to this label. Like, yeah. he has to blow. It's going to blow. Hit. He needs yeah. a hit. Exactly. So... I think that that's that's the real detriment. Not, it's not has to do with labels. It's just with anything in life, right? Like you need to, and it's it's so hard because you open your phone first thing in the morning, and you may see your homie like on a yacht, and you're like, "Why well, don't I have a yacht?" Or would you see someone, <laughs> right? You know, talking about how successful they are. Like, Why am I not there yet? I think songs that aren't viral sensations are a lot harder for. Oh, it's all good. We're sorry. having a little, <laughs> a little mic off right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, but I definitely feel like songs that aren't as, I would say, viral friendly. Right. Viral friendly songs are just way easier to push and way more of a, a easy bet these days, usually. Because underground music is just, there's so many factors that, that are going against it sometimes. I love underground music. I love those really... Same. 
SoundCloud sounding Same. songs. But first of all, let's say it's just a moody, emotional, vibey record. Right. Number one, DJs can't play it. Mm-hmm. You just cut out probably how many DJs are there in the right. world? Right. Of course. That's how do people discover new music? Two. Right. It's just not me. It's like really not too meme friendly. Right. Like it, if it's only if it like goes with well, a weird meme that goes with that. Yeah. And then that's that's another market you just cut out. And then num- number three is just not everyone's always trying to be in that mood. Right. Vibes. A lot of people are. Right. But not everybody. At right. I would say majority of people want to be happy most of the time. Or and they listen wanna, to music like, that uplifts them. Right. Exactly. So I think. You know that's a key component, and I feel like that's why a lot of like labels, at least, are are going to more towards like viral fl- friendly slash records that are going crazy at the moment, even if they're in that lane. Yeah, I think that I also love like moody, vibey music, um, and I prefer it over like like the number one song on the album type thing. Um, but I also realize that my favorite artist growing up albeit they had like the most amazing moody music Sade, Radiohead or whoever it was um, they the way that I had to enter their their sphere was via a, a hit uh, via a song that was publicized enough to make me even know who they were so right. I don't I, I don't think a hit is like necessarily a bad thing for an artist to like aspire to getting that's making moody music I think you just have to realize like there is billions of people in the world and to catch all of as much attention as you can you have to have a product that is easy for them to sing along to and remember especially today i don't think a hit's been more important than today because with the amount of with the amount of information we're getting like i heard yeah i heard last week that in one day we consume more information than our ancestors did in a year no way yeah it actually sounds kind of accurate right so like today it's like this person just got killed trump said this this actor came out this artist got kicked off the charts for the like the amount of info that we take in a, in a day is insane right so i think if you want to compete in that world then you just have to make the best product you think Lil Nas X was like an accident or do you think like it was self-inflicted by maybe like a major label or something probably self-inflicted yeah I would just I would guess I would just guess but because I was checking his SoundCloud and like all the songs he had on there were totally totally different yeah and then out of here out of nowhere he kind of had the uh, Old Town Road I think uh, I think he probably you know what's really interesting is people that um, capitalize on waves like he pro- I know Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption was really popular at that time mm-hmm. around when that song came out he probably was strategic and made a song catering towards that it could have been I mean if he did that's genius you know smart of him yeah I think and I think in any in, in any business you have to capitalize on something that's already going on that's bigger than just what you're doing so I commend people that can think I love marketing like I think marketing is brilliant I just don't I just don't like I just don't like the wrong waves <laughs> <laughs> what would I a guess. wrong wave be to you um, I, I just don't like like the trap all you talk about is you know all you talk about is belittling women getting nice cars and and getting your your money right and like jewelry 
that right. and, and talking about designer names and designer handbags and designer fashion like th- that that's the type of shit that i think is cancer fortunately though i think like i think trap rap is kind of getting better in a weird way um because of like the baby mm-hmm. even though he's is kind of an ignorant sounding song he's still saying some some shit up in there mm-hmm. he's like really throwing some bars like but i feel like now he's making it a little better for people to like rap a little better right in a sense than just just mumbling all crazy right which is fun that's kind of like scatting if you think about it right 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 right, right. <laughs> i was thinking about it the other day like young thug and like these uh trap atl rappers are they're they're scatting bro totally i mean they're inventing a new sound right like completely so <laughs> yeah i mean look i'm I, for me like i listen to music for two things mainly is for melody and, and lyric like what they're saying because i i've never used music as like a form of like i'm not the i'm not the average consumer so i don't listen to the radio i also don't listen for fun like i listen for a purpose because i feel a certain way and i want to identify a song that that makes me feel like what i feel like so i can relate to that person and that may come from a thousand different things like you know not having a father or you know me looking for sort of guidance through another voice or sound but i i it's just like even when i listen to kobe do interviews about kobe you could tell like when he played basketball it wasn't fun but then you had players also in the NBA like Nick Young or Dwight Howard who like took it maybe a little bit less seriously and were clowns. And I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I, I look at music the same way. Like to me, music is a weapon, right? Because totally. you're influencing people's minds so heavily because you're identifying with an emotion that they can tap into. The same way I think movies are really, you know, anything is that you're exposing is so important. So, um, I think anybody who uses music as a way to just make money and take advantage of consumerism, whether you're a record company or an artist, the same way like a Nick Young is in an NBA is just whack to me. Like yeah. you're there for the fame and for the for the lifestyle rather than like the 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 use of it in a good way. And you could be talking about like dark shit. You don't got to be talking about things that are just happier or relevant to you. You could be talking about killing yourself. It's not it's not about the content it's, it's more about like the context yeah and i think it's not even fair sometimes because these these artists and stuff like pull you into their world try to drag you in right. there and and uh, but then they quit next year right and it's like you just you just totally like brought me in and i came in the house i came in the door and i'm with you and right. now you just quit on me what happens for so many reasons you know like most artists you know they say it takes a lifetime to make you, you have a lifetime to make your first record and the second record is the hardest album to make yeah because now you, if you if you set a bar for your first you're fucked oh yeah because now you got to meet that bar and it's tough yeah. so i think that if you're i think that as an artist if you're making multiple albums with no expectations you're in the you're in the luckiest seat possible because now no one's you're not expecting your record to go five times platinum and if it does then amazing but if it you know if you've already gone platinum on your first record i mean dude it's like the next couple albums are going to be really tough to to keep up with speaking of tough you seen that russ interview yeah with joe budden what do you think of that i thought it was brilliant because i feel like everyone is is hating on russ right now yeah i mean i what yeah, Talk to me. I, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of his 
like really musically before I didn't get into it enough um, until I watched that interview and he was just saying a lot about how he came up and um, how like the amount of he put out 11 albums before he started his actual rollout which is like what people know him for so for anybody that has worked that hard while making no money and then supporting his family by being independent i don't give a fuck what kind of music he's making at that point like i just respect the way that he looks at the world um and how he also realizes like he's not going to be accepted by the hip-hop community the way he wants to because of his skin color but he also uses that as a way to get a bunch of other fans right so uh i I respect that kid's hustle more than more than ever um and I think everybody should watch that interview who's who's just thinking about how to do it because he brings a different light to the surface that most artists don't have the ability to expose because they're signed to a company or you know they got to watch out what people are going to say or think right. or whatever. He doesn't give a fuck. So I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. It's kind of weird how like people will hate you while you're at the top. They'll hate you when you're at the bottom. Right they'll hate you on the way up it's like why can't people root for you at the top as well as the bottom you know yeah he actually talks about that he's his idea is like if you hate me when you're like winners don't hate on winners so anybody who's hating on him is just hating because they they don't have what he has in inside of them yeah so it's normal it's jealousy right super yeah it's yeah. just straight jealousy yeah it's it's like you know i want what you have mm-hmm. basically and you know people want to be at the top but they don't want to put in the work right he did it his way and and he's winning dude like he's he's doing a lot better than i'd say 100 percent of the artists that are signed to major companies that signed five million dollar advances that trips me out because you would think the whole goal of signing would be to blow you up right but you know a lot of people are just signed right and they're just signed right. you know it's just no forward progress and they're kind of maintaining what they already had and it's almost like um what's the whole point you know so that that raises a question of whether to stay you know doing what you've been doing right and acquiring your own fan base or to you know it's all these questions and you're like the perfect person to talk to this about because you have mind of a genius right which is an indie right yeah so you've been you've probably seen the trends throughout time right throughout the years of music and stuff so like where where does it go from here well i think as an artist like if you're deciding like should i pursue a record deal or whatever whatever it may be i think the first thing you got to say is how do i get as many smart people with me helping me do what i need to do as possible producers writers if you need managers are sort of like last but like getting your sound right and then having a part you everyone needs a partner right to to bounce ideas off of and to help them actually grow so um i think artists are always going to need partners I, th- I don't think that those partners necessarily should be in suits at corporations because those people's jobs are just to capture market like the most amount of market share is what they call it so it has nothing to do with like them liking your music. If you have the ability to pop off or the potential to, they'll sign you because they just need to gobble up as much as they can. And that's what they get paid to do. Right. So 
there's only one reason to go to a major company. And that reason is if you have a song that they are going to put on the radio and nationalize and you have a commitment from them that they're going to do that with that song, then albeit do it because you can't do it on your own. It costs millions of dollars. So you can't do it on your own. You, to get a song on the radio at the level that they can, those right now, given how radio still works, major labels still run that show. But to get your own song independently on the radio is extremely... I mean, that's just like, that's not something that like you'd want to take on because it's like, it's like saying, how do you get your um, CD in every Best Buy across the country? It's just when that was a thing, right? Like I think for Juice World, the deal was smart, right? Because they literally, they put his song on the radio and he, he went from being like an internet star to a household name, right? True. So I think it depends. If you have a hit that could be played on the radio, um... And it's it, it's it's it is like the you know like the something as mainstream as a Halsey or a G Easy then yeah for sure right they can't just live in the playlist world only no those guys like th- those are household names right like they you they need the masses to be on their shit but like if you're if you're just doing your own thing like a Russ or you're doing your own thing like a lot of artists are today like you, you don't need the radio no but. If you have a song that can be on the radio, the only way to get it on, as far as I know, is through a, a major record company, like the three that are existing right now, Sony, Warner, and Universal. Well, it's good to know that that's not the only ball game now, mm-hmm. at least, because playlists are kind of like the new radio, honestly. Right. You know, if you're on the top of a playlist, this is just as good, almost, as being played on the radio every hour. Totally. I mean, I I think it's it's changing so fast right now, but I remember a couple of years ago when Post had put out White Iverson. And that was like when he had like maybe 100,000 plays or something and then the song was on the radio a week later and it went from like 100,000 to like a couple million and then it was a couple million more and then a couple million and his Instagram went from 10,000 likes to 80,000 likes <laughs> just all because the song was on the radio. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I still think that radio is is because of the... You have to remember, the, the way people listen to music most of the time is they get in a car, they just turn on their radio. So, like, technology hasn't spread to the masses in the world yet, especially here, um, especially in poorer communities where they can't afford 10 bucks a month. You True, know? yeah. So, radio's free for them to listen to. The ad buyers are paying for that shit to be put on. It would probably be when cars implement Wi-Fi in the car. Yeah, exactly. Or it's built into a Tesla or... That would probably be the last knife Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in radio. But maybe not. I mean, not everyone's going to be that technically advanced. Exactly. Because it's expensive, right? Those cars will be more money. Who knows? I mean, with technology, you never know because... Who's to say that cars never, never you know, we're going to be electric one day, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I think we, we look at technology like localized always, you know? Right. We, we're like, oh, we're not going to have that, or we are going to have that, but then somewhere in Nevada, they won't have that right. or something. You know, um, you know, I want there to be faster transportation. Totally. Me too. I think that there's... There's no reason we shouldn't be able to go to New York in 15 minutes mm-hmm. by now. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I know they could figure it out. Right. I want to be in London in 30 minutes. Right. Yeah, I agree. If we, I mean, dude, they're, they're, you got people like Elon Musk trying to build stuff like that. So it's, I think it's going to happen eventually. But I think that when it comes to radio also, there's so much 
racial and political ways that things get done. Um, Why do you think race is still, like, playing such a heavy factor, man? Like, you know, it's like, uh, I don't want to say it, but culture vulture, you know? Like, there's just so much of that going on. Well, if you you got to hear the convos that are going on inside, right? So it's like, is he black enough for urban radio, right? Like it's almost like pop is white and urban is black and rhythmic is like in between. It's like a mix, baby. Yeah. So that's the way that they they view things. So that's why I'm saying like hip hop is no longer hip hop. Like it's no longer like they're like it's not even it's native to just black people anymore. It's like it's become like the the pop of our time and that it's it's just crazy because radio has such an impact on the country still so if it's becoming pop imagine like now you're seeing guys like drake beat the beatles records and travis scott sell out 16 nights at the forum or whatever you know like hip-hop was not doing that a lot you know like that long ago and those audiences are not just like black people from the hood it's like it's like white kids from all over the city that are coming through like kansas too exactly yeah it just and it also just trips me out how like they they get these singers that are singing super soulful music Mm -hmm. and they're not black you know they're just like it's a white girl or a latin girl that's super soulful and you know they're kind of like capitalizing on that in a sense like oh she's kind of ambiguous we could you know, I see that so much, man. Right. Which, you know, there's nothing wrong with any race being able to sing amazingly. Right. But I just feel like sometimes, you know, they they put the black person on the back burner for like a whatever, culturally ambiguous, right. whoever it is. Right. And it's just like kind of, it's just kind of crazy to me. You know, it's like, when will it end or when will it change? And, you know, I'm all about diversity, bro. But yeah, I think, I think in fundamentally as long as america is always built on success equals more money it's not going to change you know yeah that's why countries like canada and france and even the uk like where the government is so regulated in their media like even in australia they have to pay they have to play 70 percent australian music on the radio same thing with france wow um, like they're required by law, the radio station, and they're owned by the government. Like BBC is owned by obviously the UK and <clears throat> Triple J in Australia. So I think it's I think it's cool when countries regulate. You know, is because they keep the feeling of of their land like proper. And we get and Canada gives grants to artists and people to make music. And America is not really built off that. It's built off of like how many people can I step on to make the most amount of money and buy the biggest house on the block and buy the nicest car like other countries just aren't like that right you know it's funny i'm like i'm from the bay area yeah and being from the bay was almost like being in another country Mm -hmm. music wise Mm -hmm. and culture wise because we had a we had our own period in time where on the radio they would play nothing but bay area music right like straight i know i remember that yeah it was just heavy 808s right melodies blah 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 and then some neo soul too right so all mixed together but that shaped your literally yeah your sound period yeah you see because you were young when you were listening to that kind of music yeah i was young and i literally was almost not even listening to any like national hip-hop right. i was listening to bay stuff only right 
all day every day yeah it's crazy and to me that's what started a movement it started the hyphy movement right and i guess that could be reflected onto america like if they were mm-hmm. to just start buckling down and you know making people play local shit right yeah it could it will start a movement like imagine if la played like la local la shit versus like all they're playing is shit that's popping off well they did and it turned into the jerk movement right at in 2000 whatever 10 or i can't remember right but no i yeah i totally agree like it would be really interesting now like if they did that right now right exactly but i feel like that's going on in certain cities sure but it's just it's different yeah it's different now for some reason because i think music has meshed way too closely together Mm -hmm. before i mean like eight years ago every beat was really unique right it's like oh wow he put a you know like uh, a little john and i think it was trillville like what it is huh? you know? right right like, er, 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 you had like the right 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 right, right <laughs> the right. thing in the back mike the, jones or whatever. yeah yeah it was the and then mike jones beats and then he yeah. put his number on the track yeah you know i feel like people aren't making unique as beats anymore and they're just not you know <laughs> well, it all sounds the same right is is getting more closely sounding the same well i think what ha- we were talking about today was what happened was in the 50s and the 40s and all that, like you had the Frank Sinatra's, the rap pack, like people with incredible voices. And then you had rock music, which was like the musicality was insane, right? If the Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin, and then that turned into like really garbage disco music. But then, then you had Nirvana and all these like amazing, incredible musical things come up. And then as technology made it easier to make music, everybody started making music. So now everybody, anybody can make a fucking song in two seconds, right? Like right. on your iPad or whatever. So now that everyone can make music and be an artist, and before you couldn't, you had to actually have talent in 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 making shit and access to like right? studio or exactly. And now that everyone can do it on their own, it's like what? It, how do you even measure someone who's really incredible and someone who's not? And the way that people do today is by how fucking cool does that person look on Instagram, and mm. how cool does that other person not look on Instagram? That's the realest thing I ever heard. And if you look really cool, then people are down because they want to be you. They want to like see what you're about. Like you're your own reality star, and regardless of how the music sounds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many artists do you know that the music is like shit, but it's their you know numbers are insane because people we're living in a world where everything is so judgmental because we're just looking at pictures all day. We're literally just looking at pictures all day. That's it. Instagram was down today, and that I was know. actually pretty refreshing. It's, cr- it's cr- <laughs> I mean, listen, like what we, we're not even living in the world because we're just looking at p- people's pictures all day. So whoever's making cooler, wilder, more eccentric pictures is is winning. And you almost don't have to be skilled at all. No, you just have to think crazy. I mean, it's like it, listen to Tyler the Creator, right? Like to me, the music's cool. It's nothing like insane, but the brand is insane right like people love him they love his brand like that would have never been able to have been a thing like pre-youtube and pre-instagram i mean yeah he he's going out on a limb wearing crazy wigs and right which exactly because we're looking at instagram exactly because he's cool to look at so do you think like these kids i mean i'm I'm thinking in the future i'm thinking like instagram models and and influencers Mm -hmm. quote unquote air quotes influencers because what are they really influencing anyway right 
in the future what about when you start to look you know not as fresh as you used to look and you get more serious and all that like how is that going to be for your mental you know your mental state yeah well that's the that's the scary part right is like <laughs> in your 20s and your i'm 29 now but i even remember like i felt so cool earlier on in my life like being the dj and bringing people together and being like the man and i knew it wasn't gonna last so i never like fully let that take my life over but it still felt really cool to be like that guy and that shit at like 26 takes a 275 mile per hour nosedive into the ground like being cool dies at 26 27 years old for everybody i could attest to that right like i don't give a fuck who's cool i don't give a fuck what's cool i don't care where the cool spots are like your biology changes as you get older right so you just don't give a fuck about those things anymore so i think a lot of the people that have like built lives and have been living like through their egos and how they appear to be in front of other people on instagram like they're in for a very low time when that time does come luckily for us we didn't grow up in that era like fully so uh, but for everybody else yeah like it, it like life changes and i don't know how people are thinking that far ahead but yeah like life like people want kids and you know your life you you lose friends as you get older and these are just the ways that life works yeah circles get smaller you see who's really loyal yeah life know. takes people down different paths and it's like it's like death right like life and death like you're you're born and then you die and everything in between it's just a fact as you get older those are things that happen so a lot of it's a blur right i was talking with my guy joel today what up joel um how things are just kind of a blur right if you think about it like you see a photo from like last week right a photo could be last week two weeks ago it doesn't matter but things within the 10 hours of when that photo were taken were kind of non-existent in right. a sense right because you might have got gas right before the photo you don't even remember doing that right and it's almost like right taking it in and just throwing it out into oblivion and you just kind of remember the photo only so it's almost like what it really exists well it's funny you say that because not to get like too spiritual but um everyone's always chasing that feeling full-time and we're at least i was raised in a way where it was not okay to be not okay right mm -hmm. like growing up it's like yo you're sad like what are you doing like slap you in the face like it's, it's like it's the way we are with men right especially like if you're not in a good mood or you're not making money you're like demonized by society because like it, you can't take time to get better because you just have to be on all the time right so um forget what i was going with this but if 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 you're in a situation where it's not okay to not be okay then that's how you're gonna live the rest of your life is like you're gonna live it in this way where like you always have to be on and that's just not the way that like the world works you know like there's gonna be times when you're struggling and there's gonna be times when you're not but it's equal on both so that feeling that you're talking about that people chase of like always being happy or alert or on is why there's this insane drug problem in the in the world right like people chasing it by doing coke or by doing a variety of different drugs and drinking obviously is the number one 
yeah right i am a little guilty of that right so <laughs> why do we get drunk right it's the same shit so it's a num- it's a numbing thing it's exactly dead. and it brings you up and so that's that's i think that's as long as like we're taught that it's okay to not be okay then i think it, that's what i think is going to change like that's what i think is changing because you know like i spoke at a panel last week on mental health in the digital age specifically and um it was crazy like everybody on the panel talked so openly about their mental health issues it was it was like be- it was as if they were talking about like having eye surgery or their arm broken it was like such an amazing wow and like that that to me is pushing boundaries forward right because a lot of people that are bipolar or have depression or schizophrenic and all these like those are normal people right like you could have gone to starbucks and got your coffee and your weight and your um the person that was serving you could have literally came out of like having an anxiety attack 10 seconds before that and you would have never known true so and it's also sometimes the happiest people that are like the, the most actually need a shit. So it's like, I think that conversation's changing, which is cool. Yeah, I feel like we need that, especially now with, with like you're saying, the, the whole Instagram thing. People are more, you know, depressed, have more anxiety just because of all the, the social pressures of totally fitting in, right? Like, what is fitting in anyway, though? Well, that was, it's funny because that's actually what we talked about today is like, that's our label is like for the people that don't fit in. Yeah. Like that, like that's like what we try to aspire to be a part of and sign and like want to want to be with is like artists that aren't down the middle urban or pop or what. Like it is tough to work with those artists, right? Because they don't have a specific lane. But that's the type of shit that I'm the most interested in because it's progressive. I like that you are into doing that and you're okay with that, and that's that's the vibe that you're on, right? Because you're not trying to just recruit the newest, hottest, youngest, Juice World type right. clone <laughs> for your label, which I don't know. I mean, if you did that, you'd, I'm sure it would be a great move business-wise. Right. But then I think a lot of people don't really think about the, the after effects of everything, right? Dealing with somebody that's all up in that drug life, right. like all up in that whatever type of life it might be. But it's worth it for the money for them, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't have a boss to meet his quota every month so like i just feel like and that's what i told my friend today too who's going through a tough time like if you if one foot in front of the other every single day and you're doing it for the right reasons like the right opportunities will present themselves as long as you just continue staying proactive and doing what what's true to you so what's true to me might be different than what's true to somebody else like i i just grew up hating all that pop shit on the radio so i went and searched for a higher version of music which ended up being the radiohead and the shaw days and like the legendary artists but they weren't from here you know tupac was because i naturally loved hip-hop because i was here too but like most artists that i fucked with were never from here so um it took time to dig and find that so now i'm trying to provide kids that are growing up that same outlet as much as I can. It's funny you say that because that's that's exactly the reason why I started my R&Bass platform is because at first I just loved banging ass music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved Mm 808s, melodies, and just the, the pure, clean, dope sonics of that type of stuff. Right. But like as time progressed, the music landscape changed and things got more 
soulful and right. vibey right which i like still but like at my core you know i know what i really really like mm-hmm. and it's just sometimes ignorant but it's also nice like melodic i like that stuff and then sometimes you kind of lose yourself along a journey it's like oh you're trying to like figure out okay this sounds good or this sounds good let me try that right and it's almost like trying new food right exactly but you exactly. always come back to the core of what you really like totally and i like pizza yeah i'm eating some vegan stuff here and there you know right but i'm gonna eat that but you're you right period you can't change you exactly yeah and that's, that's it's funny because that's like how relationships fuck up a lot of the time is like trying to change the person that you're with and then they just end up fucking hating you because it's like they know that they're not what you're trying to make them oh yeah but they do it for you anyways yeah the the best thing you could do is be at 1000 percent yourself if you're trying to meet somebody yeah or- yeah totally but it's hard <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes you want to like get better and you think that if you change certain parts of yourself that's you actually bettering yourself because that does happen too yeah but that's not healthy in the long run i think i think actually that's if you know you're in the right one if you feel if your gut tells you that you're bettering versus just changing for that person yeah if that makes sense no i see what you're saying yeah i mean if that's the path that you feel could better yourself yeah it would be yeah but we never know though yeah you never know i mean no, you never know till you go through it yeah, yeah. exactly because they could they you know people are always on their a game yeah the very first date or whatever yeah, you know of course the first, first meeting the first yeah like hey exactly like, exactly <laughs> wow exactly <laughs> they say all the right answers exactly the first meeting is always like that oh my gosh you know you know my friend said he made a great point every meeting is a good meeting every first meeting is a good meeting yeah but if you think about it because you're forcing to show up that but like if you if you really think about it most i'll say 95 percent of every meeting is a good meeting because everyone always leaves the room like yeah you know what's oh right 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 but nothing (laughs) ends up happening 95 percent of the time yeah and there's never like no i hate that there's never like a bad meeting actually i i I would say that 95 percent of meetings are pointless i would agree are completely i think maybe psychologically they're great like in the way that you're saying but i think 95 percent of meetings are pointless they're kind of like self-validating kind of yeah exactly like yeah you have an idea yeah that's great me too wow this is yeah kind of like goes nowhere you should be doing instead of meeting and people meet to like because they don't want to (laughs) do that's exactly (laughs) it. it it trips me out like thinking deep into it yeah I, I have a lot of meetings, and I usually don't get anything done from them. Dude, I used to have, I wish you saw my calendar, like, the last three years, it was, like, 8 to 10 p.m., like, back to back, like, all that shit. And then since I, the last couple months, I've been, like, sort of renewing everything in my life. Like, I do, like, maybe three a week, and then I have the other two days or whatever to, like, really focus on what I'm trying to do. Otherwise, if I'm meeting all these fucking people, like, well, how do I ever have time to actually do what I want to do and actually think about what I want to do? So I used to get coffee with people every time they hit me up or like want it. And now I just make myself so not intentionally unavailable to them, but just in general, like if you have something that you want to talk about, that isn't like an actual thing, let's talk about it. If it's not that, then email or text me. I don't even want to talk on the phone because if it's, I don't want to waste my time either just being on the phone and a text is easy because you could just see it and respond real quick. 
Yeah. But at most meetings in person are the fuck is that like no one's getting shit done in a meeting no way yeah and it's mostly just catching up on like what you've been up to yeah which most people you know aren't up to too much big waste of time yeah (laughs) yeah big waste of time i can't i mean i can't speak for everybody but you know la is a certain beast in its own Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but wherever you might be in the country or world it's just kind of the same thing like just do I would say. Yeah, exactly. If, I mean, doing is hard, though, too, you know? Like, some people... It's hard to be inspired all the time to do. Yes, it you is. Know? I think us genetically as humans weren't really created to be, like, thinking and doing every freaking day. No, we weren't. Because I was watching some, some, some thing about, like, these Amazonian tribes... Or not Amazonian, but just lost tribes way near the Amazons. Right. And all day, all they do is chill, rest right you know enjoy laughs with each right, other right. <laughs> you know and this is kind of looking at us at our core as human beings almost right we're looking kind of like into the past where right. we're like we've turned ourselves into complete robots yeah yeah because we're paying because we're we, we have monthly fees that we're paying such as rent and cars and phone bills that we have to maintain and we're putting money into other people's pockets who are not even working they're just collecting and their corporations and conglomerates that haven't figured out that were here before us and that have generations of money that they're just sitting in. Which, by the way, I don't think those people are happy doing that either. I'm just saying that, yeah, this is like, you have a landlord, right? Like, you, like these are, you, you've stepped into a world where things are a certain way and they put pressure on you to live. They. We were talking about they. You have a group called yeah. they. Yeah. Yo, who are they? You know, everyone's saying they, they, they. Right. They kind of just like stick it onto whoever they're kind of like mad at. Or, right. Yo, they told me I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's always like. The but, government is they. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the record label say your right. parents are they. Or, <laughs> I think they honestly, when I seen the group they, I thought that was the most perfect, dopest name I ever seen in my life. Really? I was like, finally, I was like, finally somebody put the, the name they as their group name. That's tight. Because it's just like perfect it's I'd like say. who are they yeah. there's so many like different things you could say about that right we're interviewing they all right we're who are they but just everything yeah it, i actually thought the opposite but it ended up being i guess okay you like it so <laughs> why do you think the opposite because it just for searching it on google it was impossible that's true but it looked like you guys added the the dot, period the period yeah. yeah exactly so i guess that okay it probably didn't help yeah a little bit <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah, I guess for Google search SEO, they it is gonna get completely lost by the dictionary articles. Right. Well, I guess it's a double-edged sword. It's the dopest name ever and the most least friendly Google name, <laughs> exactly searchable name. Exactly. But I feel like on YouTube they probably have better luck getting searched. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it, but I think once their plays went past like a couple million on each platform, then it was easier to search. I'm guessing. I just searched they and it um, comes up. they popped up number one. There you go. See? Congratulations. Oh, there today. we go, man. Yes. They are them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, who's them? That's like a new group. That's funny. <laughs> I, I feel like some of the artist names, we'll get back today, but I yeah. just feel like artist names these days are so funny, man. Like, there's like every time period, there's like 1 a.m., 2 right. a.m., right. 3 a.m. Right. But no one ever wants to pick PM. You yeah. notice that? I never heard an artist named like 6 PM. 
2 p.m. lunch break. Yo, I feel like that's actually hard as yeah, hell. Like, yo, be. what's up, man? I'm, I'm 5 p.m. Yeah. I'm like, dang, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know. And then you have like, what else are like really common? This is fun. Okay. And then everyone's like consolidating the names now. So right. The name game is always, I think it's always, it's cool because you get to see it change so many times. Yeah. So, like I said, when I seen the name they, I was yeah. like, I can't, first of all, I couldn't believe no one had that name already. Right. I was like, what? They they did it. Right. They right. did it. But um, the group is fire, man. Thank you. You know, um, I'm sure you had a very big part in their career. Yeah. And still do. Um, what's uh, what did you think like when you first found them and uh, like what would happened? So the producer I had known for a long time. Um, and he ended up linking with Drew, the the songwriter singer, and they made like a four track demo, four four tracks that they had sent to me as demos, and I was like, "Yo, this is the sound that you guys need to go and make more music in," which was mixing guitar and like urban hip hop drums. Um, and they did it, and they made that first EP, which was really big, called New Religion, um, and then the album Hyena. And that was like this sort of couple years of like mixing R&B with guitar, <coughs> excuse me, guitar, um, like the baby of that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we started working together maybe like four or five years ago. And then there were like moments of really early success with the Skrillex and Zoo record that I put them on. And um, their own album has done really well. So... They just I just want them to keep putting out more music because they're only an album in and an EP. So, uh, but their sound is definitive, and Drew and Dante are crazy talented. So it's just gonna take I think a couple more records until they're like at the top of people's minds. It it kind of takes longer for like melodic singing yeah. guitar records than rap records. Yeah, exactly. Which is understandable. You know, I, I'm sure I would want to hear way more music from them. Right. But I know that you know a rap song is going to get done in like two hours right you know they're doing chords they're right. picking you know certain right, exactly notes. the sound choices and, and all that. even the uh the material that that they're saying you know the lyrics they're choosing right is, it, i get it right you know um i'm sure they're they probably got a vault of fire yeah they do they do they're going to be putting out i think an album at the end of this year i can't wait yeah. i mean so is it like a strategy of yours to kind of like link your artists that you have signed you together, like Zoo featuring Day? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I mean, in the beginning, it just happened naturally because they were all working out of Mind of a Genius Studios. We have three studios in the house. Your studio is dope. Thank you. So they were all working out of rooms together, and it was just like that energy brought brought it together. And then... Um, and then after that, like they all sort of parted ways, and I don't think they kept in touch as much. Like this was never supposed to be like a sort of family of artists that were best friends with each other, which I think a lot of labels. Like, I, it sounds amazing to have that, but I always knew, just like an NBA team, like you know, like certain people build camaraderies, great, but no one's gonna stay on that team forever. Nothing is forever, especially in the music game. So. Um, it was really I put them in situations where they could become best friends or they couldn't and most artists are very like in general um, weird socially that's true so um, if they stayed friends and great but if they didn't I didn't I wasn't expecting anybody to 
continue to build records together well yeah of course yeah i just feel that like that would have it was cool shit right because you're blending genres like it would have been amazing if they all did a record together for sure man yeah it's like what the culture needs yeah exactly because hip-hop to me is uh because i mean i wouldn't consider they hip-hop right be more like arm based yeah exactly (laughs) no but i mean i agree yeah they're more r&b probably than hip-hop yeah but it's just it's just like i feel like sometimes dance edm always just you know eclipses everything it just it just it's always more popular you know the the marshmallows of the world right the carnages the whatever you might whatever because they're making club records so people want to play it out yeah yeah and r&b doesn't really get played in the clubs exactly yeah but then i feel like that needs to change that definitely needs to change i mean we have mustard on the hip-hop side right Khaled, but right. it's not really <clears throat> well hip-hops the clubs are all hip-hop now right they're not even playing the dance shit really anymore yeah not at this time yeah so yeah i think dance artists make experience music like live experience music and r&b is more like music that you play in the bedroom or in your car um and then you, you'll go see it live but there's not as many festivals for r&b as there are for dance music yeah they just had one actually out here in long beach yeah yeah how was that? i didn't go to that i heard it was cool i, I didn't go to it either but yeah. i seen some clips from instagram yeah they just need more things like that they do yeah but i wonder why you more- should throw an RB based festival bro i should actually it's a good, it's a, i'm telling you you should run with that <laughs> i should yeah who should i have perform you get her gallant daniel caesar well see that's the thing i feel like they just did that at that festival though yeah but that was long beach yeah so you're saying like la proper okay yeah okay yeah i mean if i did do that i would probably put on a few more digital type artists sure you could do both you could do a stage like an arm based stage yeah yeah it's a great idea david yeah i think we have to do that yeah <laughs> mind of a genius stage yeah because <laughs> you that that name could encompass more than your artist yeah totally it will one day but it will be hopefully like in the wellness space i'm not really like I don't really give a shit to take it more like in the festival live space. Really? So yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, throw some some events? I I would. We've done it in the past, but I'm, it's not like a passion of mine to create like a festival brand or like an event brand. Um, I want I want I want it to be more associated with like something that I do like in the health and wellness world. I think that's one of the key factors of success is knowing your lane. Yeah. And knowing exactly what you're passionate and what right. you're good at. Right. And I think. Um, it's good that you have that down to a science yeah well hopefully at least that's what it is now yeah i said i was never going to dj again and then i'm playing on the 17th so well you're a music guy yeah you're you know i'm a music guy i'm djing now too yeah i've never djed before but now i am yeah (laughs) it's like it's just that feeling you get man yeah It, it just you have to do what you're what you love you have to do what you're passionate about and you just can't hold it back but you have to be realistic too well, you know what they say actually is like you should do what you're really good at and then everything else will follow hopefully because doing what you love eventually is a tough thing because if you mix money and what you love which ends up happening in life anyways it's difficult because then you're, you're it's like mixing oil and vinegar so if you do what you're good at it'll bring you money and then you can do what you love uh, whenever you want on the side of that yeah, a lot of people love certain things that yeah. they probably shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure if I believe in that theory fully, but I, I think that if you've been given a gift, 
at being really good at something, then you have a duty to the world to expose that. And you may not love it. I think about that a lot, actually. Like, there's probably a music artist that's amazing at, like... Who hates what he does. Yeah. Yeah, of course. A lot, well, I think a lot of them do. Well, or they may, may be amazing at something that's not glorified, you know, in the public's eye. Maybe, like, fixing cars. Exactly. But they're the best car fixer ever. Right. But they don't want to do that because they want to... They love music. Exactly. So, just depends on, on the perspective, but... I think I think people should do what they're good at doing, and then you can always do what you love on the side. Hundred percent, yeah. Because you could get money doing the best thing you're good at, exactly. And then do what you love as well, exactly. And that's that's the key to life, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully, <laughs> still figuring it out. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, who knows if we're gonna remember the moment from yesterday? It's or changing earlier. always, you know. It's the, that's the good thing about life is you just gotta go with the flow. Dude, I hate change, man. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I love change. <laughs> I why well, I feel like I'm never I never want to be that old guy that's yeah. like mad at the new music. Right. Like, oh I hate that new whatever youngster. Right. Like I'm never gonna be that guy. Yeah, well that's a good man. Most people are that guy. Most people are. Yeah. And I think it's it you know what it really is, I think, is they've built emotions to that music. Right. While it was in their prime, you know, right. era. And they're just not letting go of the emotions of it right that's technically yeah i get it too i mean there's shit that i hear that i'm like fuck man like how is this so big or you know but yeah i'm always open to new stuff i mean i have to be even if i don't want to be like i still have to be but i'm always i think there's always a kid that's making the next fucking sublime or red hot chili peppers somewhere and i'm waiting for that you know the next adele i'm definitely not waiting for the next smoke perp you know but fair enough yeah yeah, and um, I mean, if you're out there, I mean, holla at David, man. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> cool that you're open to it. Yeah. You know, like, you're actually actively in there. I'm like, always searching for the truth. You are. Yeah. And I, I've been with you while we're both searching on SoundCloud, you know. And we couldn't, we didn't really find anything amazing, but right. me and you were pretty honest. And we're, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I could be honest with David when I'm with him. Because he, you know, you got to lie to some people out here, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that was, that was a great song. <clears throat> I got to go. I yeah. got to go. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> but nah, nah, David, David's a, you know, it's an honest person. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, man, I mean, I think we covered a lot, dude. Yes. I think so too, man. I Is appreciate there, you having me out. Of course. We, we, we got to do it again. Is there yes. anything you want to like plug or any? thing you want to say to end it off um not in particular besides if you are an artist listening to this um focus as much as you can on the actual music and your team and your team being like not a manager specifically but just people that are passionate about what you're doing around you um and I think today more than ever, it's just about staying consistent. So you can't go away once you come out. So it's better to stack a hundred songs before you come out with your first, then put out 10 songs and then go away and then never be heard of again. So that'd be my, my advice. If I was to tell an artist anything beautifully said. Yeah. All right, man. All right, man. Well, thank you guys. Peace out. Peace on base. <laughs> J man culture. High. Let's go.